Um, and Seuss has been in hiding basically the entire time that he's here. Oh. Took him to go do Camelback. Um, and so she's just been like, this is awesome. He's never coming back, right? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, you poor cat. They're going to be back in a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. So anyway, that is what it is. Uh, all right. Welcome to, to What the Fork. Uh we're recording this during the Thanksgiving weekend, hoping everybody had some good time off. I am Jared Duran, half of the hosting team. And I am Jason Kyle, the other half of the hosting team here we've at What ne- the Fork. We've never introduced the show like this. I don't No. Yeah. It seems like we're down to it seems like we're ready to get down to business. Yeah, yeah. Let's I mean you but, can uh but I did also have... also perhaps NPR style, like you know. Yes. I, I am I don't know. I that's that. I don't know what show I'm thinking of specifically. Um, it's the delicious dish. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk about sweaty balls. That's talking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which uh, hopefully everybody gets that reference. Alec Baldwin, <laughs> SNL sketch, great sketch. Look it up. Though, um, apparently I haven't listened to it yet. Though, um, Terry Gross did interview the Coen Brothers. Uh, mm. It may have been Terry Gross. It may have been they're the other guy but i did hear that they did sh- oh ray davies or ray, um <laughs> dave davies dave davies he, he's got the same name as one of the davies brothers right mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not mistaken which to our kings fans in the audience um, mm-hmm. um one of them probably just got really upset <laughs> yeah well both of them probably mm-hmm. to be honest it doesn't take much to get either one of them upset mm-hmm. oh but um yeah uh but uh, I was so I had to get coffee before I came here, and it's like two in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, fork bites, but uh, I went I went down this rabbit hole like over Thanksgiving and Friday evening. Um, on the arrhythmics. Oh yeah, which is weird. So they before before the arrhythmics, um, Annie Lennox and Dave Stewart. Or in a band called The Tourists, which was like a, I would say like a post-punk blondie type band, and any lines would be the Debbie Harry. It, it looked to me like she had some serious peroxide hair. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm, of course, came across their, um, they did a cover of Dusty Springfield's Only Wanna Be With You, and, but, and, of course, I'm very well versed in the career of any Lennox, even post arrhythmics, because mm-hmm. um, my dad, for some reason, that was like the one timely thing he had down <laughs> <laughs> was um, the arrhythmics and Annie Lennox, mm-hmm. which is weird because we had MTV too when I was a kid. I remember that video, just the every um, um, what's the big song? Sweet dreams are made of this. Yeah, yeah. I remember that traumatizing me as a five-year-old because there's like cows and oh just yeah, crazy things. So I kind of went down the Dave Stewart rabbit hole a little bit too. Mm-hmm. I know he didn't work with. Um, no, he had done work with Brian Ferry, mm-hmm. um, and he had done some stuff with Jagger and the and Stones. Tom Petty. Yeah, that and see, that's why I got to is that I forgot he had produced. Uh, don't come around here no more. Well, not only that, but wrote the the music. Yeah, yeah. That, Which was, I that just... was his. Uh, that was his guitar line in there. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I remember that Jeff Lynne 
too from ELO got mm-hmm. was sorry I went down the Jeff Lynn rabbit hole a little bit too and I forgot that he I knew he Lynn had done Harrison but I forgot he had done stuff with McCartney. What did he do with McCartney? He did um Flaming Pie. Oh, okay. Um, I kind of like that one. I like that one. Yeah. Um as far as but McCartney solo stuff McCartney goes. solo stuff goes. The uneven McCartney solo stuff. Uh, yeah, I I have found that you got to give him credit. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he was he was trying to break through the. Uh, sorry for the pop of the of the chord there, fork buddies. But I'm trying to make just so it doesn't happen when we're playing clips. Uh, he was trying to break out of the shadow of the Beatles. Yeah. And how do you do that when you're Paul McCartney, one of the most recognizable aspects of that band? Mm-hmm. I have found that everything, well, I, I, I don't want to like narrow it down to like boil it down to like things, but I found that pretty much everything 94 on for McCartney mm-hmm. can, each album has these similar aspects Cool producer, mm-hmm. um, be it your 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 Lens, your Stewarts, or your Nigel Godriches or Godriches or that mm-hmm. guy from mm-hmm. Radiohead. Yeah, uh, your song about um, you know trying to handle being the most famous musician in the world. Sure, yeah. um, whether it be your ever present past, which I like that song from Memory Almost Full. Yeah. Um, That's a, I, I like that album as a whole. Mm-hmm. I like that album a lot. And mm-hmm. then your cool pop single about dancing. And mm-hmm. then um, throwing a couple world peace, animal cruelty, uh, don't do yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Songs. <laughs> animal, cruelty. <laughs> animal cruelty, wrong. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and I feel like that that's your formula for um, McCartney's post- Elvis Costello collaboration work. The Off the Ground does have. It has a couple of. Well, and and again, that's another album that as a whole I kind of like. It's Mm -hmm. not my favorite, but uh, well, the Costello co writes on that are are great. Um, I mean, and the fact that they produced so many great songs in such a small period of time. I know. And enough to split across all of these albums, because for Elvis, you have. Shoot Playboy to a Man, So Like Candy. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there an, was there anything else that popped up onto uh, onto Mighty Like a Rose? Oh man, I'm trying to think. It might have just been those two on Mighty Like a Rose, but then you had um, Poor Shallow Grave popping up on All This Useless mm-hmm. Beauty, um, and of course Spike had uh, had Spike's just oh man, yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah. but, uh, no, I mean, I, th- I think that, honestly, the fact... I, I haven't heard Egypt Station. Uh, I, I've, I've seen it get decent reviews. But overall, for somebody, first of all, and I, I hate to put it exactly this way, but for somebody who's been around as long as he has, you know, who's mm-hmm. as old as he is, too, to, I, I, to come through this kind of, I don't know, awkward middle period where it seemed like he was trying to do something different with wings. And, um, I love that Simpsons where, where, um, where they have the guy, have you ever seen the episode where, where Bart, 
uh, becomes Mr. Burns's son. Yes. Okay. I have seen and this then one. there's the guy who he's like, yeah, I, or who hypnotizes people out of of things, or you know, and he's like, yeah, I got I got Paul McCartney out of Wings, and Homer's <laughs> like, you idiot, he was the best one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I and I like, uh, and again, I'm not uh, definitely not an authority on McCartney's. So a career by any stretch of the imagination, but oh no, normally yeah, like how could you? Um, but um, there's just too much, right? Exactly. Um, but I, um, I like, of course, I like Band on the Run, mm-hmm. um, a lot. I like at the at the speed of sound, um, Wings at the speed of sound. Oh yeah, and that one's. Um, and then I was reading that Jason Heller book, Strange Stars, and I forgot like. Yeah, some of these songs do have like a sci-fi bent, mm-hmm. and um, which now I've like kind of gone back a little bit and listened to those a little bit more too. Like he, there's a story I'm gonna get wrong probably, but there's a story that Ron Berry and McCartney were gonna collaborate on something, hmm. and this may have been before Band on the Run. Hmm. Um. And it never came to fruition because I'm sorry, I have to interrupt. You said Rod and Barry. I heard Gene. Yes, I heard Ron Barry. I'm like, who is Ron Barry? Like, <laughs> is that another one of Chuck Berry's sons that got phoned up over <laughs> <laughs> no. after after uh, Marvin <laughs> called Chuck? He called Ron too. He's like, Chuck's not listening to me. <laughs> I'm gonna call Ron. <laughs> Listen to this. <laughs> Actually, Ron was the first one Marvin called. He's like, "No, I'll call Chuck. Chuck will get it." Was it Mar? Oh, is it Marvin Barry? The in the and so you know that guitar sound you're looking for. Actually, no, man. This isn't. You've got you mean you meant to call Chuck. This is Ron. <laughs> no, it's your brother Ron. Chuck's number is this number exactly. <laughs> we just re- we just uh, rewrote. <laughs> Back to the Future and made it better, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> Which apparently they want to remake. What? So, so supposedly, if the internet is to be believed, uh, they took a internet. poll. <laughs> they took a poll and they said that if there's anything that's going to that audiences want reworked that hasn't been done yet, they would do Back to the Future. Which I think is why. No, 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 no. And I there don't think are... anything's in the works. It's just that's what apparently that's what the people want. So some dumb, some dumb person is going to come up with this. There, there are just some properties that need to live in their time. And Back to the Future was of that time. That time when Huey Lewis and the News was the band to have on your soundtrack. Um, I would, I would argue that's still the case. <laughs> 33 years later. <laughs> oh, man. I was, he went, I guess he had some tinnitus or some deafness, and that he, really bummed me out. Yeah, he, he had something going on that made him cancel some dates. Mm-hmm. I, I will admit that I, I went down recently, I went down a Huey Lewis rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Because every, you know, there are those bands where I just, I occasionally feel bad for liking because it's just of the time I grew up in mm-hmm. and the singles were, were great. It's like simple minds too, where I'm oh, like, yeah. 
there there are just some tracks where I really like them, and those are the bands that are I'm fine with getting a, a greatest hits compilation or something. And and he who listened to the news was one of those, and I'm like, does this stuff still hold up? And according to Janelle, it does not, mostly because she does not like sax solos. And yeah. <laughs> fair, that's fair. Yeah, um, that's that's one of her main arguments against Bruce Springsteen. Is, oh. Is, is all is Clarence all over the place? Oh man, and which, she's, she's no, which is not like rock music then either because it's all there's it, a lot of sex and a lot of sex yeah. and elbow, a lot of woodwinds in that. But that's some seriously sexy sex in those rocks. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and then Huey does have like a Nick Lowe association too, right? Right, because Clover. Yeah. Um. Yeah, well, and and basically everybody in Clover except for Huey Lewis is on My Aim Is True. Right. That was Elvis's backing band for, mm-hmm. for for that album, but I believe they were in, uh, they were in, London to do something for Stiff, and it never materialized. Yeah. Uh, but then, but then you're right. Further on down the road, Huey Lewis produced. Uh, if not an entire album, then certainly I knew the bride when she used to yeah. rock and roll, um, and I believe also contributes some, some uh, mouth harp, mm-hmm. the old the old harmonica. <laughs> um, so my band that falls into your category would be Men Without Hats. Um, that would be the Safety Dance. Oh, S S. Yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> they didn't ha- they're not one hit wonders. They're huge in Canada. <laughs> Huge. <laughs> next up, next up, you're gonna tell me that you're a a, a devotee of of the those titans of Canadian rock, the crash crash test dummies. Uh, no, but there is a tape of me somewhere doing a demo of. Oh yeah. Yeah, me and my friend did it once, like a demo in a mall somewhere. Which I I I think I listened to it. Yeah, which don't knock it, man. Jerry Harrison from Talking Heads produced it. You know, I, I that was one of those songs that uh, where you know the video would come on. It was it was a hummable tune. There's a reason those songs are hits. Mm-hmm. No, but um. <laughs> It's also so this would to maybe get to the good place early. We're there, fifteen minutes in. It's still I know. really not early. Well, I mean, early for us, I suppose. It's early for us because it's not twenty. This fair enough. Yeah, but or um, forty-five. <laughs> there is a reference in this week's episode to um like uh to they of course knock the Eagles, but they also bring up Shatner. <laughs> um, <laughs> And 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 Adam Scott takes such such glee in it. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. That I I I don't know. If, I don't think that's in my notes, but I, I mentally took note of that. I'm like touche, Adam Scott. <laughs> Which I don't know if we asked this question yet, or if we had this discussion. But you've seen Step Brothers, right? No, because that not. was my introduction to Adam Scott. Yes, I, you told me okay. that. but I still have not seen. Okay. Now now we're gonna pull that into. Have you listened to Conan O'Brien uh, Needs a Friend? No. Which is his the new podcast, of course. Oh, is that this is the one with um Matt Gorley. Matt Gorley. No, I have not I have not listened to this yet. It because... is so good. Okay. I, I I made the mistake of listening to it whilst running 
and was laughing <laughs> and had difficulty breathing <laughs> because <laughs> laughing while trying to breathe and run is not uh, is not the the best thing to do. Well, I, I had that again when uh, when I was listening to the James Bonding episode uh, talking about. Uh, tomorrow never dies because it's, <laughs> because Matt Myra argues that that's his the best and his favorite Brosnan uh, Bond and uh, and and Gorley thinks it's a steaming pile of shit. <laughs> yes, which um, did you listen to the first time they did it or the second time? They the did first it? time. Okay, so the second time they do it, Gorley kind of turns me around on this because I used to be Team Myra on this. Oh yeah. Oh, huh. I used mm. to think that. Uh, not, well, Goldeneye is the best Brosnan because it's the one that is most in this earth. Okay, sure. <laughs> As in the fact that, you know, no one is um, no one is um, surfing in Vietnam uh, or anything crazy, or no one has diamonds in their face sure. or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But Or gratuitous scenes of Madonna. Yes. <laughs> um but it's also my favorite because it has like the most complicated. It's a good plot. I mean, I, well, it has Sean Bean. Yeah, I, basically, Sean Bean can up the mm. cred of any film he's in. Uh, I mean, mind you, it does feature a satellite that shoots an electric magnetic pulse that could render the um, the the economies of the world useless because it would knock sure. out the computer system, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Um, but Tomorrow Never Dies, I liked. Well, it's also rather timely because it, of course, features Jonathan Price as your Rupert Murdoch type character. Yes, yeah, who's, uh, is is I'm sure they. Well, discussed. Rupert Murdoch is a villain to this day, so yes. <laughs> it's 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 not it's it's still timely uh, in that mm-hmm. way, but but in other ways, GPS. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and it's. But there are scenes in Tomorrow Never Dies that are just completely insane. Mm-hmm. Um, just I, the, the de- like the Vincent Chevelli torture guy. Sure, it's just yeah. it's this whole scene that just seems totally out of place with the rest of the movie. Yeah, I love it, <laughs> but it. But the more um, Gorley kind of had me in the second time they revisit, oh, no, we revisit it, they kind of had me going, oh, yeah, I didn't think about it that way. Do they revisit things in the same way? Like in the same, I know, I, I, I kind of uh, like and I'm simultaneously frustrated by the fact that they started on either end and are meeting in the middle. Yeah. Uh, so what, when they go, I mean, I'll find out because I'm listening to it in order, but when they go back through, do they do the same thing? And the second time, so the second time they go through it, they tried to age get different guests mm-hmm. um, to discuss different things, but then it's to the point now it's they'll revisit each. Um, they'll pick the next movie they choose. It's not sequential order. Okay. Gotcha. I would like to see them once doing sequential order. That, which, yeah, that would be interesting. So uh, I, last time we talked, I actually mentioned that I was going to get the bond box set if it was on, Mm-hmm. Zia's holiday box set sale, and it was, and I did. Oh, um, wonderful! So I have I have the complete Blu-ray box that goes through Spectre. So. Okay, you're in for a treat, sir. Uh, I at some point, and it might begin over the holidays. I might start watching these in order. I haven't seen most of these since I was a kid, mm-hmm. and with the exception of Casino Royale, I don't think I've seen a Daniel Craig Bond. 
Um, and the the Brosnans, I think I only saw the first two and those when they came out and not since. Okay. So it's been many, many years for most of these films for me. Um, so the thing, uh, did your box set, does your box set also include the Sean Connery remake of Thunderbolt, Thunderball, Never Say Never Again? I will have to look. Because, Probably not, because it's not canon. Well, uh, we'll... Uh, do we do we dare pause the podcast and take a look? No, um, we can check it out later. Okay, we can check out later. Yeah, well, on, on, on your way out, we'll take yeah. a look at it because it's not pertinent to this discussion of the no. good place. Um, but I'm I'm going to Black Friday uh-huh. uh, and shopping at the DVD selection. So as we're talking off mic, I did go to Barnes and Noble yesterday, mm. where I was disappointed that True Stories had not come out yet. Because I remember that comes out Tuesday. The soundtrack came out yesterday mm-hmm. as we we're recording. Ah. Um, but, uh, but, um, so the one, the Barnes and Noble and Tempe Marketplace are the only ones keeping the DVD format alive. Oh, really? And the fact that they were selling the revival of Twin Peaks box set. For thirty percent off, I was like, "Oh, great!" Hmm. But it's the DVD version. I want the Blu-ray version. Uh, and apparently, ever looking, went looking through the blue for the Blu-ray version because I figured if they have it, I'm going to get. It. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have it. And then you look through their DVD, their DV, their TV section, mm-hmm. and they have dvd versions of season one and season two of the very show that we talk about on this podcast however briefly that we do yes yeah yeah <laughs> um, well we spend at least one third of the show discussing the good place <laughs> <laughs> um but like so it amazes me that a that apparently the patrons of barnes and noble and tempe marketplace still like to watch things in standard definition <laughs> those those rubes <laughs> And I was like, oh, they do have these, because I remember we discussed that. We discussed, yeah. I was curious, you know, it makes sense to me, though, for for television to still come out on DVD. I don't don't need necessarily high definition of Mm -hmm. things for, especially for network television shows, sitcoms and whatnot. A lot of the time, you know, when you see things in high definition, it just, uh, especially, and for The Good Place, it's got to be shot in HD. Yeah. But, um... Uh, I, I just, I feel like, you know, especially when they reissue older stuff, there's no, I don't need to have my, I don't know, Mad About You on Blu-ray. I don't need to have my Larry Sanders show on Blu-ray. No, you know. but I think, so as I'm still kind of watching Frasier here and there, mm-hmm. I don't think they remastered it. No. Uh, they and I find not. that frustrating. They did not do anything to it. So uh, this was something that Matt Myra was talking about on another podcast of his. Uh, <laughs> Would that be tossed out and scrambled It eggs? was not, sir, because I haven't listened to that because I'm not a fan of hearing Kevin Smith talk. So <laughs> <laughs> I, it's just, I, you know what? I like, I like Scott Mosier and I like... I, you know, I, I like Matt Myra and in both instances where they talk to, um, where they talk to Kevin Smith, I'm just, I'm out. I, I, he's just too, 
Mr. McWeed for me. I I don't know. He um and I, I you know I, I, always, I have to say that I I am a fan of Kevin Smith as a filmmaker mm-hmm. to a point. Uh he's certainly thrown some stinkers out there, but oh. you know, there are m- several of his films that I count among my favorite films. Well, I think we have Kevin So I always thought Kevin Smith was a pothead, mm-hmm. but apparently it's a song he discovered later in life. Right. But we have him to th- we have him to thank for several things. One, I believe he is the one that started the Stanley cameos because he shows up in Mallrats. Ah, yeah, okay. Um, which I um, I think is underrated, but Mallrats. I do. I kind of like it. No, I like Mallrats. Uh, so yeah. there, there are those who don't like it. Yeah, I know. But he also um, he also started the. Bruce Willis is an asshole trend, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which I saw Kevin Smith because live. Was it uh, Buddy Cop or Cop something? Cop Cop Out. Cop Out. Ugh, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is not a good movie. Mm-hmm. And I, Smith freely admits as much. Mm-hmm. So I went to see him live in Chicago. Spent Kevin cent- Smith, not Bruce Willis. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'd pay. Lots of money to see Bruce Willis <laughs> live. <laughs> um, as we as as we discussed um, when we last recorded, How, Die, Die Hard. Hard is the best Christmas film of all time. Yes, yeah. with um going and then going back to your our, our Bond riff, the second best Christmas movie would be On Her Majesty's Secret Service, which takes place during Christmas. Which I you know what I don't uh, I've probably seen that once, mm-hmm. and listening to them talk about it with. Um, uh, who's the guy from How Did This Get Made? Um, the one who's not Matt Gorley? Or Matt Gorley does How Did This Get Made. Does he do How Did This Get Made? Yeah. I, it was uh, was Matsukis or Jason Matsukis and... Oh, oh, no. Oh, right. You're right. How Did This Get Made is... Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I was... Again, so I was there too is That's Matt Gorley. Yeah. And How Did This Get Made is... Manzuka's Sheer. And I sure. think they've talked about with Sheer before. They did talk about that. Was, yeah, it was with Sheer. Yeah. Because then they also bring it up in there's a How Did This Get Made about A View to a Kill, which that film does deserve it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it gets, it gets the, there's a crossover episode. Apparently, there's this, apparently, there's this episode. I mean, the, there's a documentary that, uh, on Netflix that I need to see that, um, they keep referencing. That has the uh, that has eons like okay, and uh, so it has interviews with every Bond except for Connery. Yeah, and uh, you know, and there's Buckley and stuff. So I think that may have moved to Hulu. Okay, but I know the documentary to which you refer. There's also another documentary that is a Hulu exclusive that is about George Lazenby, who uh. is the star of on on her, which I don't think was made at the time. They record the first. Have you have you heard? Uh, I'm not going to be able to pull it up in this setting. Uh, but have you heard that uh, Sonder Lurkey song, just like Lazenby? No, but I want to. Okay, they they I actually like him a lot. They, yeah, I do too. Um, they pulled it up. It'll just be kind of on mic in the background. Then you guys will just have to deal with it. Um, but they they reference it in. Uh, Matt Gorley plays it. Oh, okay. Um, oh, they yeah. Are talking about about um, on the um, Majesty's Secret Service. So, oh, going back to where I was with 
Kevin Smith. Uh-huh. Um, oh, yeah. Sometimes it's hard to yeah. find the way back yeah. where we were before. It's like Inception again. Like, I'm just <laughs> waiting for the kick. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so, um, in when I went to see Kevin Smith in Chicago, he, of course, and he talked to an excruciating long time, I think, of about taking a shit while high. <laughs> Like at oh, least, you told me about this. Yeah, story. I yeah. think I, I've even told it. I, I remember even telling um, Amy and Ashley from our friends at Price Rank King Career about when I was on their mm-hmm. fine program on the Yab Yum podcast network. Yab Yum, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Yab Yum's great. I'll oh. give those guys a plug. There's um, no feud. There's no. no Jets versus Sharks at all with Yabim. It's all yeah. it's all part of a friendly community. Then they've been very supportive. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but uh yeah. um we have Kevin Smith to thank for that. Um yeah. for those two things. Mm-hmm. But uh, I we have nothing to thank him for for cop out or pretty much anything since um dogma. Right. Or no, I liked uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. You know, bit. that was a fun self-referential mm-hmm. film. It yeah. was it was worth it if nothing for nothing else than Mark Hamill's part in it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I sadly reference that movie more than I should. <laughs> Since uh, yeah, this is the lurk sounder lurking. This is like a Bell and Sebastian song. If Bell and Sebastian did a Bond theme, exactly right. That's I mean that's another one of my favorite things about about James Bonding is when Matt Gorley starts talking about all the alternate uh, alternate theme songs. And yeah, yeah. I, um, Alice Cooper did one um, that I discovered. He did an alternate theme for the man with the golden gun that shows up on album. Oh, really? And Blondie did one too, and that showed up on an album. And I should have, I wish I had mentioned it to Butch Vic when I interviewed him, mm-hmm. but I do like The World Is Not Enough theme song that he did with, gar- with the garbage one that they did. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, I like it. So, uh, anyway. Shall, shall we begin talking yeah, about the show? I was going to say, um, I think we've. I think we. I I really like this episode a lot. I um, I think that it's a great arc leading into the final episode of the season, um, and you know it it begins to to raise some some interesting questions. I think uh, with with Sean in particular. Yeah. Um, I like this episode so much that I finished the series last night. Yeah, I yeah. saw that. Yeah, I, I saw the back of your notebook and saw some chapter thirteen notes. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't know if that meant you. you yeah, wanted to try to cram I just, this, the last episode in today. Even or? though I knew what was coming, I it had nothing to do with trying to fit it in today. I just was like, might as well. I just was like, it's it's still early yet in the evening, mm-hmm. and I'm having so much fun with this episode that I'm just going to finish. It's you know I I managed to get down um, some specific timestamps, but I, there I I really started referencing specific lines and just mm-hmm. being like this is this is the place where we need to start discussing it in the episode mm-hmm. because um, 
there's there's just so many good ones in there, particularly from Sean. Yes. <laughs> I I have a lot of Sean in here and um I there's just so much about this song that about this episode. I think it kind of sets up well at least what season one was meant to accomplish. Yeah. Um, especially with Eleanor's character. So where do you want to begin on this? I, we get we get started with how Eleanor dies, and we've heard how Eleanor dies. Right. Um, it does bring in a new element of the 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 guy who's trying to save the planet. Right. Um, and with you know with his why are you like this? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's if, first of all, I always have a problem with the way death scenes are shot when the character sees something coming at them. Oh. I, it, whether it's Cheaty with the with the air conditioning unit falling down on him mm-hmm. or in this case with Eleanor with with uh with the this the uh the carts coming at her there's time to move. And nobody's so mm-hmm. frozen by, oh my God, what is... It's like the bulldozer in Austin Powers. Yes. You know, or, or whatever it is, the, the rolly thing. It's not mm-hmm. a bulldozer, but it's it's whatever the the the, the big thing that, that's going to flatten the guy who's from... Yeah. Uh, Mad TV. Mad TV, yeah. Uh, whose name is, is like... is is uh, Whose name is unfortunately Michael McDonald, right? Uh, is it? I'm I pretty just sure his the... name is Michael McDonald. And there's that character that... Man, child, he played uh, on that show. So annoying! I hate that character. <laughs> I, I don't. I the the maybe three times I watched Mad TV, mm-hmm. which I found out that Terum Killam from Saturday Night Live was on that show briefly. Uh. Um, just because I think he was on. Um, uh, I was there too, mm-hmm. but, um. But I remember I always get to that episode with one of those episodes where he played that man child and I just was like people. It's like so this? disturbing. So disturbing. <laughs> it's it's yeah. Um I actually and my first time stamp is actually past the credit, but okay. I'm more than happy to revisit this. But No, I, I don't yeah. think we need to. I just it's yeah. it's just that point of okay, you know, Yes, it's it's it's. I, I get it that you can be momentarily frozen by something that is coming towards you, but you can move. Mm-hmm. It's not going so fast that you can't get out of the way. Though you know the best comedic death scene, though, is the first five minutes of Hot Sucker Proxy. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> which is a movie. I you know what that should have been on my list. Uh, I was being asked uh, last night actually what my favorite films were, and the the ones that came up that always come up off the top of my head are high fidelity uh big lebowski and manhattan mm-hmm. uh but as much as i love the big lebowski i might actually like hudsucker more i i think that that tim robbins in it and jennifer jason lee which i i you know part of it is probably because i have just a huge crush on jennifer jason lee mm-hmm. but um you know, it's it's just so good, and Paul Newman in that, and yeah. it, it's it's so rapid fire. Everyone has a catchphrase. Mm-hmm. Well, it's very much. It's like they're his yeah. girl Friday. Yeah, basically. I or um, 
That's what. So that movie it got me into the Coen Brothers. Mm-hmm. That movie also got me into Preston Sturgis. Mm. Like that movie is like a huge. It was a big gateway for me in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, just I love that movie so much, and I love Tim Robbins in it so much because he plays the doofus <laughs> you or know, the for schmo. Kids. Yeah, <laughs> I I like the scene where there's that scene where they're interviewing him. And he said. Well, I don't think they hired me because I was a schmo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 they did. And yeah. then it's it's part it's the start of the montage where he's like, "Yeah, so I would come with some really great, you know, some other humdingers, <laughs> like a larger hula hoop for the portly, <laughs> and, and one with extra sand to make the experience even more pleasant." <laughs> Yes, great film. So beyond uh, beyond the opening scene with you know revisiting Eleanor's death, I've got. I wanted to. I, I just things that Jason told Janet are sexy. Oh yes, that's um, that's my first. That's my point. first thing too. Is okay. the sexy things. So let's let's go to the sexy things. I had that at two and a half, but it may even been sooner. Uh, I had two eighteen. Okay. So we'll uh, we'll get to that as it. Well, we'll also turn that way the hell down because that is that is loud. <laughs> That'll be. That'll be an edit point. I also like that her her fuel is nothing but nacho chips and uh, that was it lonely girl margarita mix. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, it, it, the giant. I mean, she really was the worst. Uh, mm. If you think about how um, she. You know, grabbing, throwing all this awful stuff into the cart and then going to the 10 items or less and throwing that all on there <laughs> and know. and telling the poor woman uh, in, uh, in the checkout line who asks her if she has big plans for the weekend that uh, was it like she, she plans to masturbate herself into a coma or something like that. Yes. I, yeah. Um, but I don't know. Billy anyway. was like, uh, yeah. Fall asleep with the vibrator on or something. There. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Very crude, which, of course, then comes up again later. Mm-hmm. All right. Tortured for all of eternity if we get caught. Don't worry. There's no way to tell we're going to Mindy St. Clair's house. It'll be our sexy little secret. Jason, tell me about sexy things. Oh, yeah? What things did he say were sexy? Lamborghinis, cool snakes, spinning rims, 20,000 followers on Instagram, girls with pigtails eating lollipops, latex pants, Carl's Jr. ads, and sex. Hmm, some of those are right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here to... So what what Jason finds sexy, which Janet might as well have have said, uh, and twins. Yes. (laughs) I feel like Jason, Jason's perception of what's sexy comes from all eight Fast and Furious movies, sure, um, and Ariana Grande. Well, I mean, and and it's 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 been remarked on before that he has the intelligence, the same intelligence, uh, the same IQ as as the actual Jianyu, <laughs> and Jianyu stopped learning at seven. Yes, so <laughs> it's about right. 
he's he's got you know uh i i think eleanor remarks that the that uh jason's butthole is like walking into oh walking into like a 13 year old 12 year olds 12 year old and a 13 year old's like room or something yeah yeah uh and i i think that that is the case there's (laughs) that um (laughs) but eleanor's well some of those are some of those are right (laughs) I remember, like when I was, um, when I was Jason's, um, uh, perceive, you know, mental age, mental age. <laughs> yes, uh-huh. I may have had. I, I know I had a, I had a giant poster of the movie Speed mm-hmm. that I got free with my video purchase, mm. um, and uh, I also had a giant poster of Shaquille O'Neal. Mm-hmm. And a race car because my uncle was a worked for a printing company and they printed posters for the Detroit Grand Prix. Mm. So, um, but I couldn't have sexy ladies up because I was Mormon. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what was up in my room. I, I'm pretty sure that I had a poster of the Enterprise D. Mm-hmm. I had, um, I had. Because uh, I had I had an, an uncle, um, not a not a blood uncle, an uncle by marriage, of course, because nobody in my actual family would have done this. But thinking that a thirteen year old boy should go ahead and have a Sports Illustrated swimsuit calendar. Oh, well. and uh, I came from a relaxed enough household that nobody had a problem with me putting it up. So, uh, so I had that. I had the appropriately uh, uh, geeky juxtaposed with the. Uh, the juvenile uh, sexuality. And uh, <laughs> thankfully I've grown out of the juvenile sexuality, if not the geeky mm-hmm. uh, that, that, that persists to this day. Um, but I, I almost want to just do a running commentary on this entire episode because there are so many great parts in it. Yeah. Um, I, my next uh, timestamp is, is, Sean's commentary after Bad Janet leaves. Yes. Uh at 302. So if you have anything earlier. No, I do not. Okay. Now, but she just stole your train and she still sucks bad <laughs> and she belongs with us. Oh, also check this out. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> I will depart inadmissible. As evidence, what I will consider is the oh, recent I development of Eleanor stealing my train. Now, hold on a second. She stole your train to voluntarily go down to the. So uh, I realize, it, but I talked over Sean's very stone face. Now I have ruled the fart inadmissible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I just thought that was worth remarking because his delivery in this. Uh, in this show, and as we've talked about in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, has given him a pass for having the more successful and official Good Place podcast, as far as I'm concerned. are we? Do we have the numbers on the other Good Place podcast? Because I'm just going to assume it's more successful. I, <laughs> it has the backing of NBC. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. We're the underdogs, man. Uh, yes. And yeah. everyone loves an underdog. That's true. Not that I would mind being an overdog. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I would like to be. If, if we had enough, if we had enough people, where suddenly our show became uh, irresistible to sponsors mm-hmm. and and people wanting to give us money, 
to advertise on the show uh, or enough followers to do live episodes, I would be fine with that. Yeah. Uh, which is essentially what I'm saying. Fork Buddies growing fan base of people who enjoy our podcast is um, feel free to tell friends. Yes. <laughs> Spread the word. Or enemies, too. If you yes. think they might enjoy it. I'm not picky. Yes. And, and you know, you, you should. It could be a dialogue to people you dislike. Mm-hmm. So, or don't listen to what the fork which will then in turn say reverse psychology huh? exactly yeah so yeah. don't listen to what the fork yep Ex- yep the uh the old the old trick of you don't tell me what i listen to i'll listen to whatever i want mm-hmm. there you go <laughs> yep and that's how we just upped our following uh by at least five more people mm-hmm. <laughs> all right so that's about 50 percent, right uh, so I think we need to we need to <laughs> continue going with this a little bit because we introduced Bad a quirk life. of Sean. She was sacrificing herself this. because she is a wonderful, selfless. No, don't. <laughs> What's happening? I should have warned you. Sean only cares about cold, hard facts. If he detects any feelings in your voice, he retreats into a cocoon. So what we need to do now is just be very still, <laughs> very quiet. Finally. <laughs> what did he just say? Oh, because you're all so perfect. <laughs> uh, so. I had to remark on this, which I love sign gags, and this is a great one where it's neighborhood N.A. I also had something, uh, too. The name of the train of the railroad is the Trans-Internal Railway. Ah. So, which um, I found funny. Yes, but that is fun. Not to be mistaken with the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, which N- I do not like. <laughs> no, I, I, I have not, I'm not so much a fan myself. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed that neighborhood NA. <laughs> um, okay, so, so we, we, meet, we meet Mindy Sinclair uh, in the nude. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I... So how much, I mean, how much of this did you actually want to, uh, to go over? Because I've, as, as enjoyable as I found it, uh, as awful as Mindy is and, and wonderfully awful because it's just, it's, it's one hysterical moment after another. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, I did want to go over the video. Um, the video we, yeah. we should go over for sure. But I, I, and we learn this as the episode goes on is that Mindy, um, that Eleanor, I think at some point realizes that this could have been her future. Yes. Had she been alive. Right. Or, um, where, and sort of Mindy St. Clair is the, like the coked up personification <laughs> of, <laughs> or at least the really, 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 really wanting Coke. Yeah, version of Eleanor. So, um, where and as we of course learned in the episode, it doesn't. It's not a awesome place to be. Yeah, at the middle place, as we find out in the video, is not. <laughs> it's not it's cracked up to be either. Do you have a time code on the? I had around five twenty. Okay, but it's probably sooner. Ah! Who are you? <laughs> I'm Janet. <laughs> 
<laughs> the one person not offended by her nudity. My name yes. is Beatty. I'm from The Good Place, and welcome to your first day in the afterlife. What's up, idiot? Sorry I'm late, babe. Hey, are you pregnant? <laughs> That's not possible. Congrats. Yeah, so, Mindy, look, you mostly sucked, but then you did this one good thing. I mean, I still think we should get you. They didn't, but neither did we. A compromise was made. The neighborhood you were in now, by yourself. You submitted a list of things you wanted, the good place provided those things. Yeah, and the bad place made some modifications. <laughs> we got you your favorite beer. Yeah, but it's always warm. Oh, on your jukebox, you'll find every song ever sung. Yeah, by the Eagles, and it's only the live version. <laughs> so there's some spoken word poetry from William Shatner. It's deeply terrible. You get the idea. The Welcome to eternal place. mediocrity. Welcome to the media place. So what's up? What's your deal? Are you single? What's going on? So... Is he wearing a Deadpool jacket? Is it a Deadpool jacket? I don't think it's a Deadpool jacket. But he's definitely dressed like Tom Cruise in, in Top, Gun. Top Gun. Yeah, for sure. But I'm trying to figure out like what that logo is. And it looks like a Deadpool logo. It does look like a Deadpool logo, doesn't it? Yeah, and which, I mean, I guess much as I like Deadpool, it is definitely targeted to that 13-year-old, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, I love the way he rides in on a bicycle. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I get, I wrote down, of course, the Eagles. So as I mentioned, like back in the day, like heaven is this place where they play your favorite song. And then of course the medium place comes around and ruins that favorite song. Sure. By putting Glenn Fry and Don Henley mm-hmm. and the various other members, your Timothy B. Schmitz and your Don Felder Don and Felder's your yeah. Joe Walsh. Yes. Yes. Now I am going to express the unpopular opinion that I like the Eagles. I you know, I, I understand. It's I am a I am a, a deeply disturbed person. I, I get that. Uh, I have it's just so You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> And we could, and this is a rabbit hole that we could go down like all day. I think, but I think somehow because of their synonymous with the Big Lebowski taxi scene. Yes, exactly. I, and that, I remember watching that scene for the first time and thinking, ha ha, take that Eagles. (laughs) Oh, but I like the Eagles. Yeah, that was me (laughs) too. And And then then shrinking a little bit, like nobody knows you like the Eagles. Shut up. I, I think I figured out, like, I think on my upteenth viewing of The Big Lebowski, but probably the first one, I wa- first or second time I watched it while under the influence <laughs> of weed, mm-hmm. um, I figured out, like, the reason why the dude doesn't like it is because of how, um, at least the Hotel California years, mm-hmm. where Henley and walsh and fry didn't like the it's mainly like it's the death knell of the hippies yeah yeah it's it's the aor period mm -hmm. it's the the moving away from that it's 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 hyper exploration of commercialism and Mm -hmm. you know the life in the fast lane stuff and Mm -hmm. and all that and sure and i know but it's but just like playing peaceful, easy feeling. Oh right? yeah. It's, um, but I see why the dude doesn't like them. And I don't dislike the Eagles either. Mm-hmm. I was, 
Um, I actually really like the Walsh years, except for I like I don't like Long Run so much. Long Run has a couple of good tracks, but yeah. overall, it felt like a forced album to me. Yeah, well, they were not happy with each other by then. Right, right, right. Um, but I always been a big. I always like Joe Walsh. Mm-hmm. I always like his guitar playing. I always, I like Henry. I like Henley's solo stuff. Yeah, up up through uh, end of the innocence. Yeah, uh, after that it gets pretty spotty pretty fast. Yeah, he 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 does kind of harp on. I know he's not politically he's left leaning, but he um he seems to keep harping on how horrible California is and how the hippies sold out. Um, yeah, well, he's his whole Walden Woods Foundation thing and, mm-hmm. and all of that. I, you know, I it seems to come from a, a good place as far as I can tell, mm-hmm. but it's also it can be pretty insufferable. Yeah, I, um, I, there are musicians who can be preachy, and I think yeah. Henley got pre. There's that. I remember, I bought like one of his greatest hits comps. Mm-hmm. I think it was like probably late nineties and it's this one of the bonus tracks on this was like a big eight minute garden of all. Yeah. 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 Which I, which I thought, Oh cool. It's got like Cheryl Crow on it. I like yeah. Cheryl Crow. Sure. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, and I listened to it like about a year or so ago. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is like just the most, we get it, Don. It's a big bloated track, and I love it for some reason. I, I it's I got like, some great riffs in there. Mm-hmm. I, I like the kind of the 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 background vocals mm-hmm. on the chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, Musically, it sound. Uh-huh. I just get. Did you ever see the video? Yeah, it has Kirk Douglas as as the devil in it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I, I think, but as far as like, he's it's. Flogging a horse that hasn't already like oh exp- yeah 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 no it's like I said it's a big bloated track it's the, yeah. the message is beat to death I get mm-hmm. it it's 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 the whole idea uh, again of like Don Henley's going to drop some knowledge on us and it's going to mm-hmm. be in the form of Satan having come to Earth and being like well you know this is this is even more like hell than I could have made it mm-hmm. and uh, you know like I only I'm not nostalgic even... for old hell basically yeah. it's. It's like Al Pacino and the Devil's Advocate without mm-hmm. John Pac- Al Pacino yelling. Yeah, um, which in the last half an hour, which I kind of like that movie, <laughs> <laughs> is definitely the personification of Al Pacino's yelling ears, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. where he moves from Sonny Corleone, Sonny Corleone, and moves to becomes just the guy who. Shouts. Well, everything is hua hua. <laughs> um. But uh, and then there's the Shatner, the Shatner the joke. Shatner, yes, which which is what does he say? Which is which is truly uh, which is truly awful. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, which have we talked about his Ben Folds Shatner's Ben Folds album? Uh, I don't think we've talked about it. Has been? Yeah, yeah. We may yeah, have that, that one, which has like Henry Rollins contributing to it. Yeah, and uh, Amy Mann's Amy, on it. Yep, yep, yep. I don't know if we talked about it for that one or the upcoming one that you're working on podcast that you're working on. But mm-hmm. I remember, like, there's the Amy Mann song that I just love, and then of course there's the awful cover of Common People, mm-hmm. which. If it wasn't for Ben Folds, I probably wouldn't have heard about that song to begin with. 
But then Ben Folds went ahead and ruined it. Because <laughs> he often talks about it's a perfect song, and I agree. And then he went ahead and he ruined it mm-hmm. by whatever. With If by he had just... It. He didn't... Had he just been Shatner, uh-huh. it probably would have been okay. Mm-hmm. I'm happy that he thought of Joe Jackson to put in it. Oh, sure. But um, then it, it just doesn't... It doesn't mesh meld well yeah i don't know i I, it's i have i have my problems with shatner Mm -hmm. uh like of of course in his iconic capacity as as captain kirk and then also i really uh i really liked his work as denny crane in boston legal Mm -hmm. that's I, i love that show in general um but i i think I don't know. There's there's this point. It, he just there was a time when it seemed like he was trying to fight against being seen as a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the get a life time period, um, <laughs> and then there's the then there's the basically embracing the the Shatner uh, the the public perception of of William Shatner because I don't think. It doesn't seem like Shatner is Shatner anymore. No. He's he's Shatner. Yeah. If that makes sense. Track it with me folks. So he's not William Shatner, a nice Canadian born Jew. He's he's William he's the public perception of William Shatner. He's what people expect of Shatner. He's playing the role of William Shatner if you will. Mm-hmm. And kind of playing it as people would expect yes. him to play Shatner. Damn it, Jared. <laughs> I'm a podcaster, not a doctor. <laughs> uh, and I am I'm not just, you know, despite uh my 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 top notch uh uh walk in and and Connery impersonations that you yeah. have heard on the previous episode uh I, I don't have a great Shatner so so I don't even think Shatner has a good Shatner uh, you know it's again he's doing he's doing an impersonation of Shatner I, it, it was he had a pretty interesting interview on the nerdist mm-hmm. uh that was kind of interesting to listen to from a workhorse perspective he's basically got an uh, an ethic of of never like a shark ethic, basically, of, of you can't stop working. You must keep pushing forward. And that's mm-hmm. admirable, especially for somebody in their in their 70s at this point. He's, yeah. he's getting up there. Uh, There's, which is funny, because the whole point of that album, mm-hmm. of that Ben Folds album, I think he's recorded a few more songs, but yeah. not with Folds, mm-hmm. um, is that he is facing his mortality. Right. And that's why I like, really like about it. So there's that whole song about, that Amy Mann song about him reconciling with his daughter. Mm-hmm. And then there's this, then there's the Rollins track, which I liked. But then there's the one where he, um, like, it's inevitable you're going to die. And he lists all of the people who have died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, even Joey Ramone. <laughs> and there's like this Greek chorus in the background. Joey Ramo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but um, I don't know if you had anything up for uh, um, I'm still trying to go over Ham Scott's Tom Cruise 
Yeah, Top it's Gun. it's very much Tom Cruise. I I I, I honestly don't. I when I was rewatching this, I just enjoyed the performances mm-hmm. uh, of of everybody involved. I love the whole thing about um, Janet and Jason trying to figure out how to have sex. Oh um, yeah, I had something on there with that. That's too. funny, and I had uh, and I enjoyed um, Mindy and. Uh, the awfulness of Mindy and 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 uh, Eleanor's continued realization that 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 you know she was she was like this, um, but I don't have anything specific to talk about in, until until we get back to Sean in the good place. Yeah, I had ten fifty four as the when I we I freeze framed the list of the reasons why um, and wrote down my favorites of why Elmore is a horrible person according to this flowchart Sean's created. Yes, great. okay. We can go there. I like that, too. Eleanor Shellstrop, please. Where should we begin? Waiters screamed at or cyberbullying of pregnant woman from spin class? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that must... Was that earlier than that? Uh, no, I, I, I freeze-ramp, hey, but they bring it you up. you want to grab a drink or something? Okay. Uh, no, I kind of have my own private mm-hmm. time routine. I thought you'd want company after being here alone for so long. No. Okay, I get it. Hey, uh, this is a good thing where did you get that? That's not one of my books. I only have Anne Rice vampire novels with water stains, and I've cut words out of most of them to make pornography. <laughs> my friend in The Good Place gave it to me when he was teaching me ethics. It reminds me of him. Look, if you want to survive, you have to forget what you left behind. Take that whole experience, crumple it up, throw it in the garbage can. Instead of reading, I will watch this VHS copy of Cannonball Run 2. Or maybe the making of Cannonball Run 2. Wow. Very neat. Hey, you two lovebirds figure out how to have sex yet? No. We tried for two hours, but there was just a lot of, like, bumping into each other. It was weird. Which, uh, I had broken that down. So... I run out like no. I think they got right. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah. The whole bumping into each other. Yeah. I. You know. I just. I guess I had assumed that Jason had had sex before. Is it just that Janet's not designed for? I mean, we know that she's not a person. Mm-hmm. So does that? Are we? Are we to assume that? Uh, that. Keep well, that to, to say the word, mm-hmm. the word, uh, uh, the mere mention of which makes some men uncomfortable, vagina, calling, <laughs> calling back to our Big Lebowski discussion. <laughs> uh, are we to assume that Janet doesn't have a vagina? I th- it could be that, but I also think that, as we discussed earlier in this episode, Jason's idea of sexy comes from the Fast and Furious movies mm-hmm. and Ariana Grande poster. Sure. So maybe his idea of sex comes from a PG 13 type thing. But or- again, knowing Jason, Jason's not a kid. It's, it, mm-hmm. I, I just, I guess I had assumed that in his Jacksonville days that he managed to get it on at some point. Maybe he didn't. I, you know, as, and as reference later in the episode, Florida does get you me expulsion. Into I the have bad that place. down. Yeah. I, I, I want very much to hear Sean say that again. <laughs> um, but um, perhaps even the women of Jacksonville had enough common sense to 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 keep their distance mm-hmm. from Jason. Maybe not everyone at um, what's his name's uh, 
That's it. Uh, Crazy Dave's Cra- wing. Crazy Nick's wing dump. Yeah, wing dump. <laughs> or meat trench. Yes. Ugly right. Nick's meat Ugly trench. Ugly Nick's meat trench. <laughs> Perhaps the women in that in that fine establishment were not as loose as we had assumed. Uh, or, or you know, Jason, uh, he's, Jason's the kind of person where he probably misses a lot of social cues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even, even if, uh, even if he had the opportunity at some point, my guess is that he missed whatever, uh, whatever subtle hints were dropped at mm-hmm. him or on him rather. Well, that's because he was so focused on being a pretty successful DJ. That's right. Pretty successful. Okay, he didn't get distracted by the He game. had focus. He had focus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's just keep playing the, about yeah. Eleanor dropping in on the quinceanera because it's hysterical. This ain't your bar mitzvah anymore, bitch. It's my 24th birthday. What? Hot tiara, girl. That was the crashing and subsequent destruction of Vanessa Garcia's quinceanera. Let's move on to another event. Okay, so you wanted to... We have another freeze frame here. Yeah, I had... Some Scalped pa- EpiPens, is that one of them? Yeah, I had... Um, lifetime Times four. Yes, I had Lifetime Bam from the Build-A-Bear. <laughs> yes, yep, yep, yep. Um, was it showing a nine-year-old The Shining? Uh-huh. Um, heckled nine Santas. I, I I kind of want to know the specifics of the roommate dry cleaning incident. Oh, is that wait? Is that the one where with the shirts, where they start making the shirts? Oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that's I mean that's got to be what that's referencing. Yeah, because um, that's when they create the shirts. But there's a few other ones that he, Sean mentions a few too. But my favorites that he oh, didn't mention yes. was Sha- the, uh, he mentions started file fire and mailbox to uh, to get mailman to take shirt off. Yes, <laughs> but uh, that was my favorite. Was the how do you get banned from the build a bear? Yeah, uh, well, I'm sure I'm sure we could find out. <laughs> I mean, I'm about to take my son to see santa so i'm i'm ready to heckle some <laughs> uh, um we put up our christmas tree this afternoon he said i don't like christmas trees you don't know what that christmas tree is is and this then, his first or second christmas it, it would be his second christmas but mm-hmm. this is the first time he grasped the concept gotcha so um so it, he doesn't know I don't think he's grasped about Christmas tree, so he put it up this afternoon. And mm-hmm. uh, for before, he's like, "I don't want to put up the Christmas tree because he'd rather watch Thomas." And um. <laughs> for, I've just turned on the model Christmas lights for yeah. well, I, I'll say festive holiday lighting. Mm-hmm. Guess he'd rather watch Thomas and Curious George all day. Sure, yeah, but um, we also want to give him imagination. Yeah. Um, so. So have him watch SpongeBob. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's um, we're not ready for that yet. No, no, not ready for Squidward and Mr. Krabs. I and... don't think there's a. So it's funny. So again, going back to Black Friday, which speaking of a, uh, uh, there's a great Wilco song in the SpongeBob movie. Oh yes, there is. <laughs> which I saw in the theater. <laughs> did you? I, I did too. I did too. I actually uh, have D- seen David Hasselhoff as a speedboat is great. Yes, I actually have seen both SpongeBob movies in the theater. Okay, I missed the second one. The second one's actually much better. Is it better than the first one? I'm I enjoyed say the yes. first one. I second one is fun because they do a lot of sight gags because they become 
computer generated. Oh, that's right. Is that the one that has uh, Antonio Banderas in it? It does. Slamming <laughs> it. <laughs> but he's not. He nails it well. Okay. But um, so they had Tickle Me Elmo's at a deep discount for 10 bucks, which apparently are still a thing. I didn't realize that they, they were. Mm-hmm. And of course, my son likes Elmo. Then I texted Kristen. I was like, hey, Tickle Me Elmo's are 10 bucks." to which she replies. Are you sure that's something you want to introduce into our lives? <laughs> and I gave it about 10 seconds. And I'm like, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, the fact that I, I think we've discussed this before, too, just like off mic. But most of the stuff that he likes is just stuff that I personally have objections to. Mm. Um, because Thomas the Train Engine promotes communism <laughs> because every character on that show has works to be really useful. Uh-huh. What's <laughs> uh, wrong with that? Um, well, everyone has a role to play and just reeks of communism. Just and communism is a fine philosophy in theory. In, theory. in practice, it falls apart every time, but. I yeah I have to say I, as a thirteen year old thirteen year old Jared was all about Marxism. Mm, well, in my in my Thomas fan fiction, workers of the world unite. Yes, in my Thomas fan fiction, Thomas real. So they're all your Thomas fan fiction. I'm sorry, I yes, just yes. caught that the second time. Yes, you said it. so yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I uh, so in the in these episode in the later episodes they're after this. Um, there's this wood that they built used to build buildings called Joby wood, which is on this other Island. So God, this is going to get really detailed. <laughs> <laughs> so Thomas and everyone lives on this Island called Sodor, which is nothing but real engines, Lords and, um, um, it's the like Lords and manners. And there's a, um, Maggie Smith's character on Downton Abbey. She has a dowager's or You're talking about two things that I've never seen. Thomas okay. the Train Engine and Downton Abbey. Okay. So. And then I'm talking about one thing I've seen and one that I kind of something know about, which is Downton Abbey. I know everything about Thomas. <laughs> which, God, means my priorities are messed up. But anyway, so they have like, it's the feudal system. Mm-hmm. So they get their natural resources to build up their resources on this island of Sodor from another island. Um, and in my fan fiction that I once tweeted, <laughs> there are these three train engines who teach them, who will teach Thomas that he is being exploited by <laughs> <laughs> by them to help build up their empire, mm-hmm. and that him and the other train engines need to rebel in a, um, a dune like, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, well, but you're asking, even in your fan fiction though, you're advocating for Marxism because Marxism is to, is the idea of getting the worker to recognize that they're being exploited by Mm -hmm. corporations and, uh, the system or the man. Mm -hmm. But I, and my, and, and you're and maybe I have parts of the concept incorrect, which I probably do. It's but in my in my fan fiction too is that Thomas 
and the rest of the gang decided to burn it all down. Ah, okay, <laughs> so, okay. Um, much um, just burn it all down, destroy um, just let burn, and start <laughs> over where the playing field is level. Um, where like much like a uh, like a yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at with that. So. <laughs> I, for some reason, that reminds me of one of my favorite scenes in Love and Death, which I still think to this day is possibly the funniest film, one of the funniest films anyway, <laughs> is when Woody Allen is talking to Diane Keaton, and they're they're about to be uh, taken, or uh, France is invading or something, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they've started their push into, into the Soviet Union, into Russia, uh, and... Um, and Woody Allen is like, you know, I'm, he's like talking about fleeing, uh, and and Diane Keaton is like, uh, is something about, like talking about pass or passive something or other, and and Woody Allen says, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about active fleeing, um, <laughs> <laughs> and talking about like setting the food on fire behind them, except it's hard to light borscht. Um, <laughs> Oh. Yeah, it's, it's that's one of my favorites. Um, <laughs> so, my, the point. So, I not to. Um, so my point. So back to the original point is that Thomas and yeah, Elmo. Yeah, please help me out. I, f- yeah. I forget exactly why we're on this. Di- yeah, digression. So Thomas and Elmo, though they have their faults. Elmo being a, you know, a very loud, squeaky voice man child. Um. <laughs> Much like Michael McDonald's character in uh, Mad TV that was so disturbing. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. I find that a little disturbing. I find it funny, or I find it weird that he tells my son that he loves him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but at the same time... Your son doesn't have to return that love. Well, I, and he doesn't. Um, <laughs> but yet, whenever Elmo tells him to dance, my kid dances. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and I find that a little disturbing, but that's okay. Um Anyway, so I find that I we tried so hard to make sure that this did not enter our son's life, but daycare well, lets it all in. Sure, sure, yeah. But compared to what's out there, your Paw Patrols and your uh, and these other uh, type of kids shows, mm-hmm. I find that on the Elmo and Thomas would be the lesser of two evils. Okay. Uh, the intent, like, there's some good intentions there. Uh, sure. I mean, when he's not teaching my son Marxism at a young age, <laughs> um, he's learning some good lessons about how to be himself and, you know, see a job, see a job through. Though now my father in law is getting him into Bob the Builder. Yeah, I, I, is, I don't know. I, I could never really get on board with, with, with Bob the Builder. Can, with his whole can we fix it thing. Yeah. All right. I have something at 1238. I had something. Oh, I also wanted to mention that. the So Mindy St. Clair's ha- apartment or house uh-huh. just seems to personify everything. Like when we go on our diatribes about the 80s, our mm-hmm. wonderful, beautiful, what's great about the 80s. Yes. Mindy St. Clair's apartment personifies everything that's horrible about the 80s. Okay. What in particular? 
Campbell to run two. Yes. And the making of the Campbell run two. Well, okay. So clearly, which. Rest which, in peace, Burt Reynolds, but. <laughs> yeah. Now, is that supposed to mean that Cannonball Run is a great film? Because they, you know, in that video, they meant the good place mentions that they gave her everything she asked for. Uh, and then Adam Scott mentions, and then the bad place made some modifications. Yeah. So what did she, what did she ask for cannonball run or did she maybe ask for something along the lines of it's a mad, 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 mad world and got <laughs> cannonball run too. She may um, have asked for Smokey and the bandit or something. Yeah. yeah. We're smoking the bandit. I can too. imagine Mindy St. Clair asking for some, some, uh, Burt Reynolds. Yeah. It's, it's been a while. I, I tried watching Smoking the Bandit after Bert died, mm-hmm. and I just could not get into it. Like, it's, I'm just like. I'm completely happy just, uh, just having a respect for Burt Reynolds through things like Archer. Yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Gayer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And even Burt Reynolds' appearance in Archer is great. (laughs) Which, side note, Mm -hmm. um, um, sorry, Kristen. (laughs) Um, Kristen Kristen suggested Archer as a son for, as a name for a future son's name, to which I replied, you're maybe onto something, but again, the cartoon Archer Uh is just going to ruin it for him. But I like Archer a lot, but. I you know what I if I, I I never intend to have children, mm-hmm. uh, but I you know, Sterling Archer is a strong name. Yes, that's, you know, that's that's a that's a name that builds you know mm-hmm. an advertising firm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I also did suggest Fraser and <laughs> Niles, and both were immediately turned down on the spot. I have I a feeling. Why. Have you guys listened to the Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure any? I still haven't because it um just because when I was married before I that was one of the main struggles of my first sure. marriage was trying to have a kid. Well, maybe you can pick I think it I have up, enough distance uh, now where now that they're they're pregnant and it's their excellent adventure or whatever. Oh, basically, what they, they changed the name. Yeah, well, <laughs> they're doing something with it. They switched it to us, like they did a split and mm. had it uh, into a second season, so that because they didn't want to, they didn't want to uh, cause any, uh, you know, triggers for for people who were still trying yeah. and might not want to hear about their success. So that's fair. Yeah, I it. I think I have enough distance from it now where I think I could just watch the whole thing, but I'm sure it's behind the payroll paywall now. Oh, it's not. No, oh, okay. Not at all. Okay. Uh, it's just funny to hear your, your discussion of, of, of names that you suggested. Uh, you know, this is just a small sample of the names that I have suggested. The, the top one still Declan McManus, mm-hmm. the third mm-hmm. still rejected. That was going to be Beckett's original name. Might I suggest that you not consider Jared? Because <laughs> I, I, f- I hate to disappoint you. It was never on the list. 
podcast. Oh man, <laughs> I just assumed that as soon as we became buds and 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 started on this podcast journey together, mm-hmm. and having met your lovely wife and 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 your fine son, that we had bonded on a level that you guys just immediately said to each other. What about Jared? You know? He's such a great guy. We should name our next son after him. You know, I I didn't even come up before, but now that you <laughs> mention it... It I'm, still won't ever come up. I mean, I'll bring it up. <laughs> like, kind of like as a joke. Like, I'll come home and I'm like, oh, oh Jared had a great name for great name for idea for a name. She'll, she'll be like, what? Jared? <laughs> No, so I was going to say... And it'll was, be our private joke. <laughs> I was, I, I, having assumed that you guys already were seriously considering that, I was going to try to talk you out of it because... Mm-hmm. And, and you know what it is, though? It's because it's a combination of ending the... Of my first name having... Or ending with the same letter that my last name begins with. Oh. And consequently, anytime I've had to say my full name, because already, I, I don't know what it is, I've just always, you know, I make a point of trying to speak, you know, and I think it's very evident that I'm super eloquent on the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, that I, I have a voice just born for broadcasting, essentially. But uh, what you may not know is that I mumble a whole lot uh, in, in everyday settings, and you know, it's just I, I just have a very low speaking voice and swallow a lot of words. And so, if I'm ever asked for my name, mm-hmm. full name, saying Jared Duran and having to hit both D's in a row is is apparently too much for my my mouth to do. Yeah. Uh, it's it's I've invariably I've, I've had people think I said Jerry. I've had people think I said George for some reason. <laughs> I have no idea where that one comes from. But but Jerry's a, free, a frequent offender, and I, I I can't stand it. I've gotten to the point, and either it's a sign of maturity or that I can't give a fuck any longer. <laughs> but I'm just like whatever. I'll just wait for you to call out a name. It, the- it just it bothered me in Starbucks the other day because. I got faced with one of those people that was determined to get my name for the cup and then repeated it wrong and then repeated it wrong again when my order came up. And so I'm just like, it's it's 6 a.m. I just want my fucking coffee. <laughs> I will deal with this offense <laughs> silently that's, and hate you. <laughs> that's how I feel about my last name. Mm. I was, my last name is spelled K-E-I-L, but it's pronounced Kyle mm-hmm. in the German fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Have you ever tried the approach of Kyle rhymes with Heil? No, I have not. <laughs> and People no one, would never mistake it again. No. <laughs> no, I, no, I haven't like, for the obvious reasons. Like, you know what, folks? Let me give you the final solution, okay? <laughs> oh, my God. no (laughs) it's it's just got so like uh, you were mentioning at the podcast uh, i think we were talking off mic about you know your name being because duran Mm -hmm. you know oh duran duran that one too um but yeah being a child of the 80s that, that one i just that was inevitable so after a while, you get tired of correcting everyone on the first day of school. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I'm just to the point now where 
if someone mispronounces my last name, I just don't even correct them. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, you can just go your whole life thinking I'm Jason Keel. As opposed and one to day when I'm raining fiery hell down upon the world, you will be the first to go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just going to... and I, I may seem resigned now, but just you wait. <laughs> when, when, when I go full falling down on you guys. <laughs> um, uh, I was, that reminds me too, I was watching that scene... I'm falling down where he's in the McDonald's knockoff uh-huh. place. And uh-huh. like, he looks at his watch and he realizes that breakfast. Oh yeah. Hasn't, you know, and I'm just like, Oh, like just make him a damn McMuffin. <laughs> yeah. Just could have saved yourself so much trouble. If you just yeah. made a McMuffin. Oh, um, should we get back? We're, we're about an hour and a half into this. Yeah. So let's get back and, and, and finish up. Uh, um, oh, but we were talking about like, she personifies everything horrible about the eighties, whether yeah. it be the blazers, the wire stain and right. And rice. She novels. certainly got the power suits down. Yeah. Um, um, the, the Coke, um, God, the Coke. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, to the level of, of, um, of, of not being able to speak for a minute. She's gone into a Coke fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So my next bit is at this mark here, 1238. So let's get... From us, we need to do something quickly. Yeah, a judge. Request permission to speak somewhat emotionally. <laughs> I, I like that one. Drama <laughs> Helps with the nausea. Proceed. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I know, obviously, these memories aren't great. I was particularly disturbed by started fire in mailbox to get mailman to take off shirt. But that was the old Eleanor. She changed. She worked, and she studied, and she got better. And it wasn't just self-preservation. It was real self-improvement. I made the decision to help Eleanor that first week, and I'm glad I did. Because she's worth it. I, too, helped Eleanor. Not as much as Chitty, surely, but my help was more friendship and sorely needed fashion advice. <laughs> Eleanor deserves to stay. Thank you for these testimonials. A ruling has been reached. <laughs> oh, you want to hear it. I forgot how needy humans are. <clears throat> Eleanor Shellstrop is a bad person. The progress she has made does not offset her actions on Earth. She deserves to be in the bad place. Oh. As concerning Jason Mendoza, I have heard no statements nor seen any evidence to suggest... Oh, he's from Florida? Yeah, he belongs in the... <laughs> How do you intend to enforce this ruling? You- <laughs> I, that was one I had I had quoted. I, and I don't yeah. think that... that there just So the next one, and I think it follows very quickly afterwards, is is when he's talking to 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 to, to, to honey and 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 Chidi uh about how they've aided and abetted uh, a couple of people one of whom was a DJ yes <laughs> I feel like Sean is expressing the things that I have mentioned I'm sure you've mentioned yes. on this podcast before uh basically trashing in my case trashing because you're you're a much nicer person than i am uh but trashing both people from florida and djs so yes <laughs> i try to look for the best in people even the djs and the floridians of mm-hmm. the world mm-hmm. uh but c- clearly 
Sean sides with me. Mm-hmm. So, and he is the judge. He is the judge, right? Oh. And we we get to this point, and I don't know what specifics you have, but we get to the point where. Where, where where Ted Danson, you know, says, how are you going to enforce this? You don't know where. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't know where uh, uh, Eleanor and, and Jason are. And 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 uh, Sean's decision, as far as that goes, is, and how it's executed is fantastic. He yes. gives him, what, four hours, I think? Mm-hmm. Uh, it gives him four hours to uh, to get back to the good place. Or Tahani and Chidi are going to go to the bad place in their place. Mm-hmm. A great because it's you know it forces it's it's it, it it just heightens the emotionality and the realness of the whole situation because you've got Tahani and Chidi who are just like well you know we'll go in place of our friends this is this is what we do and uh eleanor at least uh initially has the uh we need to go back and save them mm-hmm. and you know once again proving that she's certainly matured from the person who who uh, you know gets emancipated from her parents and mm-hmm. goes down this this dark road um but I, I even mentioned too, like she mentions contractualism again, uh-huh. like about fifteen minutes, and she like just off the, just like just off like the tip of her tongue, like she learned, she knows, uh, like the basis of contractualism that this is what, like we owe this to them. Mm-hmm. They're not going to, they should not be going, in for us. We owe it to them to mm-hmm. save them. Well, and yeah, well, it's, and she holds up the book at yes. that point. Yeah. We actually, this is what we actually owe them. The only um, non Anne Rice novel. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Now, yeah, just the whole, I, I don't think that we need to go through it uh, in the episode because it's a visual thing, but the whole, th- the intercom. Yeah, device of talking into bad Janet's mouth and having it come out of good Janet's mouth. I uh, it just it's. I know that we've mentioned or sung the praises many times of Darcy Carden, mm-hmm. but what a fucking performance! Yes, I just how and and on whatever uh, other podcast hosting hosting guy Mark Evan Jacobs or whatever his name is. Uh, the two of them, how they managed to get through a take of him just speaking directly into yeah. into Bad Janet's mouth. I can't help thinking that either there's a really good sound guy, mm-hmm. uh, and he didn't have to shout mm-hmm. <laughs> into her mouth. It, it was a weird visual. I re- almost wrote down like, this is a really weird visual. It's it's, it's an like oddly a, sexual visual. I know. That's why I would, it's exactly what I thought. It because like, because Janet, both Janet's bad and good are just holding their mouths open the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, I can't help thinking that somehow Jason's looking at that and thinking, "Oh, that's sexy." <laughs> yeah, or that or maybe weird. that's one that we should try. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, I didn't even, as much as I was looking at all the things that got Eleanor into the bad place, mm-hmm. I made a scan to look at all the 
ideas that Jason had for the drawings. The drawings. Yes, the drawings with with it, and it the one in particular, and they're all stick figures. Yes, and the one it's Jason on standing on his head with his legs in some weird diamond shape, and <laughs> and then Janet stick figure standing in the other. Uh, uh, yeah, how they came up with these drawings is well one of them is clearly i think clearly spider-man kirsten dunce toby mcguire upside down mm-hmm. oh sure yeah his sort of thing yeah but the proportion she, he, it's almost like um like janet is at that point like holding jason by his feet mm-hmm. is what it looks like but um yeah that's that's pretty funny uh so they decide that they need to go back and save um, save them. Now is between now and then. Is there anything else that you felt we needed to go ahead and hit? I I mentioned, and I don't even think we need to mention, but I did like that Janet has a ride or die protocol. That's my next thing, and so let's let's head there. Um, and it's not just that. <laughs> yeah, because I I specifically want to hear how Janet, uh relays that information janet please we have to go i won't start the train until my husband says it's okay i'm sorry eleanor but i engaged a ride or die (laughs) protocol so i'm loyal to jason forever so that whole yeah i've engaged a ride or die protocol (laughs) um yeah loyal to jason forever and is it after this that we learned that eleanor was emancipated from her parents it might be, let's see, did we skip that? Okay. No, okay. It, is it that, it's this point here. I yeah. Believe. Or she tells Jason that I was emancipated from my parents because they forgot my birthday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is, this is terrible. Mm. You mean the silverware you stole from mom? Yeah, but she keeps trying to steal it back. I drove here as fast as I could. You scored free WrestleMania tickets. <laughs> there are no tickets, Mom. I knew that was the only way I could get you here. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> Eleanor, just because your father and I are divorced does not mean you can disrespect me like this, okay? We are a family. Whose birthday is it? Mine. <laughs> are you serious? No way. It's a BS foul on Chapman. And since you both forgot again, which means you definitely didn't get me a present again, I got myself something. I just need you to sign it. Emancipation Which, there's papers? There's a fan mm-hmm. in what Ari- does house in Arizona. Mean? It yes. means I'll be on my own. Yeah, which means that they can't afford air conditioning. Yeah. Which is, I just noticed that. Like, mm-hmm. Oh my God. It would be, they, yeah, depending on the time of year, uh, they, they would be dying. All my life, I've been taking care of myself and you guys. I work two after-school jobs because you blew half my college fund bailing your boyfriend out of jail. So irresponsible. And you blew the other half trying to frame her boyfriend. <laughs> it was so stupid. He was already guilty. <laughs> I've been on my own for a while now anyway. And after you sign these papers, it'll be official. I won't owe you anything. You won't owe me anything. Well, if you want me to sign, oh, that's a joint. Uh, do you have a pen or a lighter? <laughs> You're a really interesting person, Eleanor. We should hang out sometime. Oh, boy. Wow. Your parents sucked. Yeah, Yeah, they did. 
and I've been using their crappy parenting as an excuse for my selfish behavior all my life. No more. We know what's right here. We have to go back. Ride or die. <laughs> okay, so... Then we get back to this. They've run out the clock. Time is up. In preparation for your trip to the bad place, please put on these fedoras. <laughs> I took offense at this. I own a fedora. <laughs> no use delaying the inevitable. We surrender. <laughs> Together. Judy, Tahani, we're back to save your souls. <sighs> Real weird vibe. It's <laughs> definitely expecting some applause. You're too late. You missed the cutoff. But we're here. We came here as fast as we could, and we're here. So now what? <sighs> what is the most logical decision? I made my initial ruling. I established a deadline. The deadline was missed. The original perpetrators are here. Oh, this is exhausting. <laughs> Just want to go back to my container of goo and go to sleep. <laughs> The bad place is owed two people. In my opinion, which is an objective fact, in this case, in all cases, always and forever, you have all done bad things since you arrived here. Therefore, I don't care which two of you go. You can decide. You have 30 minutes. Dun, dun, dun. And ironically, you know, the uh, 30 minutes, theoretically, the length of an episode. Yes. Even though it's only actually 22 minutes or so because of all the commercials. Um, but I, I am a fan of when uh, when shows are, are self-aware of things like that or when they put little things in like that. Like, well, you have the length of an episode to decide, basically. <laughs> Which, that being the final episode or of the season yes no and where we decide what we're going to do during a break between seasons mm -hmm. whether that's taking a a brief hiatus so that you can uh <laughs> that you can attend to your newly born son and recovering wife or uh mother of said son <laughs> hopefully those two are the same I, uh, <laughs> they are <laughs> They are. They that are, would have yeah. been awkward. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can I, just even by looks alone, the ultrasounds look exactly like my son, which I'm pretty sure is mine. <laughs> okay, ninety nine point nine for sure. Um, so but good to know. The, and I guess kind of close it up too. I, I maybe isn't saying that I wanted to get into a deep dive on, but the point of this episode to me is personified by how. Um. Eleanor does kind of get Jason to get the train riding again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that so many of us, myself included, use shit that happened to us. Like, like to blame our parents mm -hmm. for all the horrible things that have happened for holding us back. And Oh yeah. And why not? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and cause I mean, they are an easy target. <laughs> um, and I guess as a parent too, I've even realized that they're just people who've done the best they can, they they could, well, unless they're horrible, truly horrible people. Mm -hmm. um, but well, presumably, even those people are doing the best that they can. They yes. just can't do any better. Exactly. Um, unless you're like, yeah, anyway, not to get too deep into it, but we've 
been always at some point have let the actions of others seemingly hold us back and mm-hmm. give us an excuse for being assholes. Sure. Um, and I like that Eleanor has finally made the decision here to not let that hold her back anymore. Yeah, no, I, well, and the other thing that's interesting is that she's also spent the entire first season under, you know, the impression or voice, the impression, the, the opinion that, there should be a medium place. Mm-hmm. And now she's seen what that medium place is. Yes. And she has decided that it is not, that it, that it's not really a thing mm-hmm. that there, that there is pretty she's kind of come down on the side of there is good and there's bad. Mm-hmm. And that in between is pretty terrible. Yes. Um, it goes which back- is interesting. That's an interesting philosophical well, point even- to, to, you know, discuss in the episode. And to even go back a couple of the, our discussion a few episodes back when we were talking about like the Mormons idea of a medium place, mm-hmm. like that's a place where you're not, where you're alone. sort of like Mindy is here. Mm-hmm. You're probably not naked because you know, God doesn't like nudity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but um, the, the reason why you're even, there's even that goal in Mormonism is because the of of a celestial kingdom is because you want to be with your family and your friends mm-hmm. and you want to be around them. Whereas the medium place or the Mormon's idea of a medium place even is that there's you don't have that. You're not mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, like Mindy gets to drink warm beer and listen to Eagles renditions of your favorite songs all day. <laughs> Live visions. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, she's not really happy. And no, Eleanor, clearly not. Yeah. And Eleanor realizes she's not happy either. Mm-hmm. And she's definitely not going to be happy with Jason and Janet. Right. 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 <laughs> yes. Um, so I, I just think that it's, it's, I think I was worth mentioning that, um, Forsett may have Doug Forsett may have had that right to a degree too. It, sure, that may have been the five percent that <laughs> that he got wrong. That he got right or wrong, or yeah, I, well, uh, yeah, or Mormonism got right, or that uh, it was a point something percent, right? Like point five percent. Yeah. Anyway, yes, uh, uh, we're at risk of this becoming our longest episode ever. So. I mean, it, it set thing it sets things up really well. I think that it's it's a great um, it 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 helps uh, with a great arc. I think that um, <laughs> Sean is such a, a great character and and played wonderfully. Um, the uh, what else did I want to say about it? I just I I think that the the focus this is so Eleanor centric. It's an Eleanor centric story, mm. and the 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 first season, even though it's it's pretty much an ensemble, it revolves around the evolution of Eleanor. Everybody mm. everybody plays their part in her uh, growth. Right. It's it's following, um, it's following something pretty unique, which is that somebody gets to have a second chance or a chance to not necessarily a second chance, but an opportunity to 
understand themselves and where they may have gone wrong and then work to fix that Mm -hmm. and work to become a better person, uh, overall a better human being. Um, most, yeah, most people don't have the opportunity and they certainly don't have the, the, uh, insight, uh, you know, to, to recognize any of these things. People go along and just act how they act. Mm -hmm. You know, some people know that that has consequences and some people don't recognize that that has consequences. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think it's what's I found like in her, at least her character arc, it's an odd way to find out she's been an asshole all her life. (laughs) Yes. And that she has, and the way she, she either has to change now or it's internal damnation. It's yeah. I mean, she, she arrives there knowing pretty quickly that she doesn't belong. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, so there's that initial realization, but for the most part, she thinks that she led a pretty great life. She mm-hmm. doesn't see where she went wrong so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there is that not only the realization of, of what, how she affected other people, how, um, you know, she was not a great person. And, uh, you know, that whether spurned on by the, uh, not spurned, spurred mm-hmm. on by Chidi's tutelage. Mm-hmm. An introduction to uh, various schools of philosophical thought. Uh, she kind of, you know, is able to then, without that tutelage on her own, recognize where where she can do better and be better. Um, and that's that's a lot for a sitcom to tackle. Yeah, it's it's deeper than your. This shit's deep. Yeah. <laughs> And that's what makes this show so great because it tackles mm-hmm. these, these great philosophical and, and these, it's funny as hell. Yes, and does it so in a humorous and great way. Um, and I just, uh, I just, I, I got, I have to admit, I did get kind of choked up, like at the end of this episode a little bit too, just because, like, uh, it's the realization that it's. It's sort of like me every time I watch the end of Jerry Maguire. It's the realization that mm-hmm. Eleanor's realization that I, she realized that she had to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and she found it out on her own. Because um, as I've mentioned many times before, it's not the part where Tom Cruise walks into the door and tells and gives a speech to Renee Zelliger that makes me cry. It's the part where um, they hug each other and after the game, mm-hmm. um, because Tom Cruise realizes that um, not only does Cuba Goon Jr. realize that he's had a chip on his shoulder, but Tom Cruise realizes this moment isn't great. Yeah. Um, without Renee Zellweger. And I get, I got kind of verklempt here because it's the moment where Eleanor realizes on her own that I'm not going to let the she sh- shit that happened to me um, as a child continue to keep me from let, let 
suck my friends in too. I'm right. going to, I need to take responsibility for my actions. Exactly. That's, I mean, that's a huge thing is that she's, yeah. is that she's going to be responsible, culpable, mm-hmm. uh, and that she's not going to let others just go down for her. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's, I think that's a good place to end on that. We'll get to, we'll get I see to what the you final. Did there. A good place. Oh, to end. Uh, yes, that was entirely intentional. Yeah, absolutely. I see what you did. There. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll we'll get to yeah. We're coming in for a landing here. We've got one more episode to discuss in the first season, and uh, and then just just like uh, anybody watching in real time, you'll you'll have to to take a little bit of a break between seasons. I think mm-hmm. um, we're gonna we're still working out what we're gonna do, but uh, we're gonna at least do one, if not two, episodes on uh, some some good place related stuff that is not episode discussion. So stick around for that. We may even have a guest if we can get the schedules all worked out to do that. Uh, I don't think the one piece of business we didn't mention at the top of the show is if you would like to. Um, contact us for any reason. You can go to whattheforkpod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at whattheforkpod. Um, You can support Hoot and Waddle by going to patreon.com forward slash Hoot and Waddle and check out all the the patron levels there. Uh, You can reach me on Twitter at LTD underscore engagement. And Mr. Kyle can be reached at Jason E. Kyle, K-E-I-L, all one word on the Twitters. And you can check out Jason's work in uh, Phoenix Magazine and New Times, where he's a regular contributor as well. Mm -hmm. And that's going to do it. Which, speaking of, since... No, I said that's going to do it. You don't get anything No, 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 no. (laughs) Because it, it just helps all of us. We're talking about Black Friday and mm-hmm. shopping, just so you know you can get some things at Hoot and Waddle. And oh, that's right, there's a Black Friday Hoot and Waddle. So yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, the offer may have expired by the time that I'm sure if you talk no, to it goes Jared, through December 14th. Okay, but oh, just, so maybe the episode's up by December 14th, or maybe just talk nice to Jared, and maybe he'll you know get some books. Yeah, really good. I don't respond to sweet talk. Okay. <laughs> I'm just uh, and also, um, in the December issue of Phoenix Magazine, there are some really good gift suggestions on the cover story, some of which I contributed. So, um, you know, read that. Support everyone. Little plugs. It's the plug section, and you guys are probably all tuned out by this point anyway. Yeah. So, summer peace out, right forth, buddies. <laughs> If I had the chance, just like lazy.